Cal Newport describes deep work as professional activities performed in a state of distraction-free concentration that push your cognitive capabilities to their limit. These efforts create new value, improve your skill, and are hard to replicate, end quote. It's the only way to get every last bit of value out of your current intellectual capacity. It's the only way to improve your abilities. When you create new value that's not easy to replicate, you stand out. Think of authors, inventors, business owners, and creators that you admire. They didn't get where they are because of shallow work. Many people want to navigate life with peace and joy, but struggle to connect to their intuition. They find themselves overwhelmed, burned out, and frustrated. My name is Francesca Phillips, and I'm obsessed with spirituality and psychology and how the two can intersect to help you live a successful and intuitive life. I believe each of us can accomplish amazing things through balance and healthy habits instead of burnout. Consider this your go-to resource for where spiritual wellness and mindful productivity meets practical wisdom. If you're craving positivity and want to know how to find the answers within, instead of searching endlessly without, then you're in the right place. Get ready to feel supported and inspired. This is the Good Space Podcast. You're listening to the Good Space Podcast, episode number 57, how to structure your day for deep work and create with more impact. Before we dive in, I want to give my warm appreciation to our reviewer of the week, Smooth Fun Soul Reggae. And they say, Thank you for sharing some deep thoughts that requires self-reflection, and you can feel each one is done with love and aspiration to uplift. An excellent breakdown of more complex thoughts of how we are the way we are and making them more in our control. Smooth, fun, soul, reggae. Thank you. That was such a really you know meaningful review. I appreciate you saying that and that you feel the show gives you time to self-reflect and you feel uplifted. That's so wonderful. And I'm really glad that you're getting so much from the show. You sound like you are on the path, on the journey to greatness. And I'm so excited for you and really grateful that you took the time to let us know how we're doing. So thank you. Thank you. If you want to be highlighted in an upcoming episode and help further the mission of The Good Space, make sure to subscribe and give us a review on Apple Podcasts so I can then highlight your review in an upcoming episode. It only takes a minute. You can pause the episode and come right back. Make sure to screenshot this episode on your phone and tag us on your Instagram story at findyourgoodspace, hashtag the good space to let me know that you're joining in today, as you know that I love to share those screenshots on our stories too. Today, I'm excited to talk to you about how to structure your days for deep work so you can create meaningful things on a consistent basis. Deep work is what it takes to produce streams of articles, books, or coming up with new ideas. I definitely could not make the podcast week after week or write the articles that I do if I didn't have stretches of time where I was completely focused and intent on the deep work. And we'll get more into what that means. I'm really excited because this is based on a book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And it's something that the minute I started reading it, I literally was calling so many of my friends who are entrepreneurs and love stuff like this and just talking to them about what I was learning. And so I'm really excited to actually get this down now for you so that you can benefit from this book if you're not ready to dive into it yourself or you just want to get the the meat of what you can start working on now and then read it later, whatever the case may be. This is definitely an episode for you if you're ready to get more into the deep work, make more meaningful stuff and do less of the shallow, not fulfilling work. 
So the hard part about this is our world very much rewards shallow, aka less valuable work. Things like attending meetings, answering emails, attending more meetings, posting on social media, and more. So make sure you listen to this whole episode to figure out if you must quit social media to do your deep work and what it will take for you to get in that zone. This call to doing more deep work is inspired, like I mentioned a second ago, by author and computer science professor Cal Newport in his book, Deep Work, Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World. And it came to my attention when YouTube recommended Newport's TED Talk titled, Quit Social Media. At the time, I was so ready to quit. It was as if the internet was listening to me, which it very well may be listening to me, and just placed it in front of me. Instagram drained every ounce of my energy and I felt completely over it. Done, over it, wanted nothing to do with it. And here was someone telling me to quit. So I was sold. And after watching the talk and reading the book, this is why deep work matters. So let's dive in. I want to talk about first the difference between shallow work and deep work. If you're able to differentiate between shallow and deep work and give yourself the time to do more deep work, you'll stand out from almost everyone else. Granted, it's not easy to just focus on deep work, which is why so many people don't do it. So putting that out there, just know that it's okay if it's hard to focus on deep work at first. You'll be the person who's seen as valuable in the economy. Cal Newport describes deep work as professional activities performed in a state of distraction-free concentration that push your cognitive capabilities to their limit. These efforts create new value, improve your skill, and are hard to replicate, end quote. It's the only way to get every last bit of value out of your current intellectual capacity. It's the only way to improve your abilities. When you create new value that's not easy to replicate, you stand out. Think of authors, inventors, business owners, and creators that you admire. They didn't get where they are because of shallow work. Newport describes shallow work as, quote, non-cognitively demanding, Logistical style tasks often performed while distracted. These efforts tend to not create much new value in the world and are easy to replicate, end quote. Some examples include writing emails, posting on social media, responding to emails and texts, going to meetings, and so on. So here's how to tell what shallow work is for your life. When deciding whether something is a shallow activity, I would use the three prerequisites from the earlier quote on deep work. Asking yourself if the activity you're doing is one, creating new value, two, improving your skill, and three, it's hard to replicate. Activities may fall under one or two of those, but not all three. So I encourage you to write down everything you do in a day, big and small, and then hold them up to those three values. How many things are you doing that are shallow versus deep? But don't get too hard on yourself because this isn't meant to cause judgment, but just gentle observation. We're all about gaining more awareness here and judgment-free. Like that's what I want this space to be. All right, now let's get into why deep work is so hard. Our ability to do deep work has been weakened dramatically because of network tools. The person who created those tools used deep work to make them, but as a user, those tools inherently make tasks easy for everyone. So in a sense, the work one does with it isn't deep. I remember hearing somewhere that the reason the Romans stopped innovating so much is because they had slaves to do everything for them. Obviously, this is a dramatic example, but that was their version of network tools. Why exert the effort to invent something when I have servants to do stuff for me? 
except we have network tools to do stuff for us. What's interesting to note is no one's really questioned technology and its long-term effects like they would food or other industries. Maybe now it's starting to change, but as a whole, our society has 100% accepted and adopted technology without hesitation, which makes sense. This is a new way of life that's never happened before in the history of our existence that we know of. So just something, a little seed to plant. Like, why do we just 100% accept technology in, in without question, right? Or its ramifications. All right. So we zoomed out a bit there, but now I'm going to zoom us back in. As a result of having these network tools, the norm in our society is to go from shallow work to shallow work. In the corporate world, workers are incentivized to spend most of their time on email, Slack, and in meetings. Cal Newport shares that in a 2012 McKinsey study, they found that the average knowledge worker now spends more than 60% of the work week engaged in electronic communication and internet searching with close to 30% of a worker's time dedicated to reading and answering email alone, end quote. Oh my gosh, that's a lot. And this is why the knowledge workforce has become this way because society rewards shallow work because we don't know how to gauge productivity. Before, the industrial age made it easy. We could see how many cars a team finished every day or how many garments a person sewed. With our knowledge working society, managers and executives can't really tell what productivity is anymore. So they started gauging it by busyness, which is the exact opposite of productivity. And plus, people get fired when they don't seem busy. We overwork ourselves as a matter of survival. And then we as a society added social media into the mix, the most addictive, shallow kind of work meant to give quick dopamine hits so the user comes back more often, scrolling, liking, posting, I hate to say it, but those are all things a six-year-old can do. And if a six-year-old can do it, the act is inherently not valuable in the economy and represents shallow work. Of course, the act of creating content for videos or how-tos that add value, I wouldn't consider that shallow work. It's just the act of posting and mindlessly scrolling that's shallow. As an example, I used to make quote graphics for Instagram. Yes, quotes can inspire and add a value to someone's day, but any person could replicate what I did. So the act of posting quotes added no real new value, which won't be rewarded in the economy. And it also didn't really improve my skills. So while one of the components of those three prerequisites was ticked, you know, one of the boxes were checked. So I was creating new value for maybe someone who read it and hadn't seen that quote before. I really wasn't improving my skill because researching a quote, copy pasting isn't really, doesn't really take much. And that it's easy as heck to replicate. Like anyone could find the same quotes that I did and just put it on a different background and post it. And that has, that's easy to replicate. So that act alone, I realized doesn't like, it's not really pushing my capabilities as a creative and a business owner. Needless to say, this is not your fault. So don't think that you messed up somewhere or missed the memo or whatever, and that you have a lot to catch up on. No, 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 no. That's not what we're saying here. But this is why it's so important now that we're aware to to try to get the best work out of ourselves that we can. So I bet if you kept track of everything you do in a day, you'd be shocked at how much shallow work you do. And it's not your fault. Again, our society lives and breathes shallow you get rewarded for shallow. We're taught to believe that we're no longer relevant or important unless we're on social media. Stuff like that is feels pretty awful. <laughs> Businesses are even told that they can't be relevant unless they exist on social media. 
where's the freedom and reward in that? Giving our seeming choice to create and do things and live the way we want to some person's app that they want to use to sell us stuff. Deep work, however, uses the depth of your mind and creativity. It allows you to create things that no one can replicate, and therefore it becomes super valuable to our economy and society. It also feels more rewarding and fulfilling. When people feel they're longing for something, I bet you it's because most of their life is based on shallow work, things that don't make them feel special or test their unique abilities. Anyone who's made a work that's changed the world did so because they know the value of deep work. My hope is you'll start giving more time to deep work and eventually base your whole life around it. When I heard about this concept, I wanted to change my life right then and there. But I was also terrified that it meant quitting all social media, which is proof that I attach my relevance to social media. That was something that just like rocked my world because it's so true for me and maybe it's true for you as well. The good news though is that Doing deep work doesn't actually mean you have to quit social media or become a hermit to society. There's a way to base your time around deep work, making that most important, and then scheduling in shallow work instead of the other way around. Because right now, our world teaches us to prioritize the shallow work, and then you can fit in deep work, and some people don't even at all. But what I'm trying to say is, let's make deep work the most important. Schedule that in first, give that the priority And then you can give time to shallow work. So basically, you're giving it a boundary and a limit in your life, which is just so much more freeing. There's also a way that you can gauge if social media is truly pivotal to the success of what you're trying to do. For Cal Newport, it wasn't necessary. And he even says that in his book. Like For some people, you truly need to be on social media to to make your work successful. For him, luckily, he didn't have to. And so keep that in mind. For you, you might, but also be open to the fact that maybe you don't need to be on social media. And that's something that I've been deeply thinking about for a few months now. So it's not easy, but it's definitely worth thinking about. And of course, if you want to go super duper in depth, I suggest you read the book, Deep Work by Cal Newport. We'll make sure to link it in the show notes for you. But for now, I want to give you some good, easy, solid steps to just get started. So like, if you don't have time right now to read the book, or it's something that you're like, okay, just give me something to get started so I can go now, then this is what this is. Do you struggle with time management and feel overwhelmed by everything you have to get done? And have you tried sticking to a regular schedule but get pulled every which way by shiny objects and demands from others? If you want to simplify your life and get better at being decisive, finally getting productivity down in your life, then this message is for you. I have released a new book called How to Not Lose Your Shit, The Ultimate Productivity Guide for Entrepreneurs. This book gives all the methods that I have taught my private clients, my followers for many years on how to see results in your business and to get more peace in your life. I've had so many entrepreneurs say how overwhelmed they feel and drained and burned out. And so I teach them a framework and different techniques that help them to take back their peace and to start loving running their business again and to start feeling human again. If any of this sounds like you and any of it sounds good to you, then make sure you buy this book now. It is workbook style, so it's a roadmap and it gives you a link as well to a download that you can easily print and use as you're implementing everything in the book. And it's very short. It's probably like 
60 to 70 pages. So it's very short because I only wanted to give you information that was actually useful to you. And I throw in a few stories as well from people that I've worked with. So a lot of good things in there. Make sure you buy it now if this sounds like something you need. And if you have any questions, feel free to direct message me or email me. And I hope it helps. So here's how I would start with deep work. The first step, write down everything you do in the next three days. So everything, whether you check Slack, whether you go to the bathroom, whether you're making food or whatever it is, look back at the end of each day and put an S for shallow or D for deep next to each item. If most of what you do is shallow, don't worry because that's normal. Take this as an opportunity for more awareness about what kind of deep work is missing from your schedule. Are you holding off writing a book, creating a course or program, or thinking about an invention? Make note of that. I just want this to be three days of awareness, no judgment, no pressure to like change and upend everything in your life. So the second step would be schedule in short spurts of deep work just to start, just to get you going. So the most anyone can do deep work in a day is about four hours. When you're just starting out, you'll be lucky to do an hour without distraction. So take a look at your schedule and put two one-hour blocks in each day. Do your most important work within those two-hour blocks. For me, it would be writing a blog post or a podcast episode. And then for the next hour, I may put editing my ebook in there. Those are super important things that actually create value in the world. And once you get through that first week of scheduling you know, two one-hour blocks in that week every day. Then the next week, I want you to schedule two 90-minute blocks every day. Do that for a week or two. And then after that, you can bump it up to three 90-minute blocks a day. So these blocks of time don't need to be or shouldn't be actually back-to-back. Writer and entrepreneur Doug Neal breaks down how he structures his day for deep work, and it's super fascinating. There's even visuals that he has on um, the posts that I found. So if you're interested in checking it out and seeing the visuals, again, go to the show notes and you can click into it. But the way he does it is he has large blocks of time in between his deep work sessions. So you can use that time in between to answer emails, to read, exercise, or do other shallow tasks. So the idea is you're giving yourself really good, solid time to do deep work, but then you're not completely just like cutting yourself off from other things that maybe you're used to doing. And eventually, I would love to be like Cal Newport where I literally do deep work all day long. And then maybe there's just an hour where it's shallow work. And obviously, like as you grow and maybe you're able to afford a virtual assistant or a team, like again, that's an easier way as well to to do less shallow work. But at least having like containers, containers of time for each type of task, then you really do have a control and an ownership over your time, which is what I really want the root of this to get across. Now, if you work for someone else, it doesn't mean that you can't adopt this. This still can work for you. When I worked on a project for VaynerMedia, the schedule there was insane. I had meetings most of the day and a lot of deliverables to create. But that didn't stop me from blocking off lunch in my calendar and a few hours a day titled Deep Work. No one ever questioned why those times were unavailable and I was able to use them to actually get work done. So you need to just create those boundaries. For step number three, I want you to find your system for deep work. So on the show notes, I have an image from Doug Neal, which perfectly lays out different ways to do deep work as shared by Cal Newport in his book. So deep work doesn't have to be daily. 
It could be quarterly or monthly. It just depends on your personality and ways of working. So for example, Cal Newport, I think the way he did deep work was he, as a professor, he would do deep work quarterly because he had papers that he needed to submit to different journals and then he would teach in the fall. And so for him, it made more sense to block off like three months in the beginning of the year to do all of his deep work. He wouldn't take meetings. He wouldn't answer emails. Like he literally would not exist to the world. And then he would come out of that and then he would just let the rest of his time be to more shallow tasks. Another example is JK Rowling, who went completely absent from social media when she was writing Harry Potter. Like she was not on Twitter. She was nowhere to be found. People like Bill Gates, Microsoft CEO, who does Think Weeks twice a year in complete isolation to read books and think thoughts. So his were like two week increments of deep work. So there is a way and style for everyone. So I hope you feel excited to figure out what works for you. So I'm going to try to explain this graphic of what Cal Newport shared, but basically one of the deep work philosophies is monastic. So you eliminate or radically minimize shallow obligations. Success comes from doing one highly valued thing exceptionally well. So that would be, you know, there's certain like physicists, authors, again, Cal Newport, where it's like they eliminate and radically minimized shallow obligations. And that could also mean you're going to a cabin or an extra home or something that's even away from your regular routines. Like you don't have the same people or stores or routines nagging at you essentially. So you can really focus. Another way to do it is bimodal. So you have clearly defined stretches for deep work. So you leave the rest open for everything else. So again, that could also be like Let's do a month, a month only on my deep work, or it could be a week, or it could be a day, like a full day, clearly defined stretches for deep work. And then another philosophy is rhythmic. So you transform deep work sessions into a regular habit at consistent times. So this is really, this works really well with the reality of human nature, essentially. I feel like the rhythmic is what we talked about daily, right? So you have like certain stretches in your day that you set aside for deep work and it happens every day. And that's like a great way to just have it be consistent. If you like to work that way, if you have an actual real life and you can't go away for a month and you can't go to another house or you can't set aside three months at a time, this is actually a really great way to still get that deep work in. And then this last one, I would not recommend for a novice, someone who's new to deep work because it's just too tempting and too distracting. But eventually, if you became a pro at deep work and you could do those three 90-minute sessions, like I explained earlier, then you could do the journalistic version where you fit in deep work wherever you can. So this is something that like, if you have your morning routine in place, you have your theme days in place, you are like clockwork when it comes to your work, you can stay on task, like you know what to jump to if time frees up and you're really good at like getting those systems in place then journalistic could work if you're like super busy and just like, oh, I got an hour free. Great. I know how to plug plug in, zone in, get this writing done for the next 30 minutes or hour. And then you can jump back out and do other things in your life. And then you find another 30 minutes and you can jump back into that deep work. And it's like your mind can just like switch back and forth. But again, this is something that you have to build from practice and habit. And I would not recommend that as a new person to deep work. I would recommend rhythmic, monastic, if you have the ability to, or bimodal, where you do it seasonally, quarterly, whatever. And if you have questions for your own specific situations, please feel free to message me. You can email me or leave a comment in the show notes. 
Um, I'd love to know what style you want to try first and what you're working on and what's something of value that you're creating. And if you have any like questions that you feel weren't covered in this quick condensed overview of this book, please don't hesitate to let me know. I love to talk about this stuff and I would love to to get you on the path and help you get more deep work done. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Now it's time for an affirmation. I cherish creating meaningful work with clarity and focus. If you found today's tips inspiring or thought-provoking, share it right now on social media and make sure to tag me at Francesca A. Phillips or at Find Your Good Space and also weigh in in the comment section at findyourgoodspace.com. You can find links in the show notes. And if you have a spiritual or mindfulness problem that you want me to unpack on an upcoming The Good Space episode or an awesome manifesting story you want to share, give my podcast phone line a ring right now at 917-719-0867. Also, don't forget to download my free morning routine guide. It's what helps me reduce my anxiety, increase productivity, and so much more. The link to everything I mentioned is in the show notes. See you soon.